podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another episode of Media Matters. I'm pleased to be joined, as normal, by the renowned and the respected David Lynch. David, how are we? Yeah, we were just talking before we came on. It sort of sours the mood slightly when the result isn't right. But um, yeah, still, it's still been a decent start to the season. So I'm sure we'll find some positives in there as well as the negatives. Yeah, we'll probably have to dig them out a little bit, the, the way I'm feeling at the moment. But there is still positive, ladies and gents. So... We'll do the normal. We'll talk through everything that happened in the Luton game on the pitch. We'll naturally do our normal player in focus and how we think they're getting on. Any key thoughts from that? We'll do the off the field chat. And funnily enough, David's front and centre of all that with the questions being asked in press conferences and stories. So we'll dive into that. And then we'll talk about the coming week because just before the international break, we've got to lose. Brentford and how we see that building. So, I mean, casting my mind back to, to yesterday, David, I'm still kind of getting over it somewhat, so to speak. But a 1-1 draw, Luis Diaz rescues a, a point late on. I'm trying to take the positives from yesterday, but what are your honest thoughts on the performance overall? Yeah, I mean, it's important not to go too overboard on this in terms yeah. of you know the, the, how poor the performance was or, or not because I think you know if, if a couple of those chances go in and Liverpool make an awful lot of chances in this game uh, you know then things look completely different but I think you, it is fair to to criticise the finishing and I do think the, the, the there was a particular area of the pitch where Liverpool particularly struggled and, and and that was you know the front line just as a collective I thought were really the sort of source of, of all Liverpool's issues. I thought they generally otherwise did quite well to 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 you know create chances against a really low block against a team who were playing, you know, Premier League big gun for the first time really since they they'd been promoted. So there was a lot of elements of this that were going to make it difficult. And I thought Liverpool coped with that quite a lot of it quite well. But they just those final moments, lack of composure, um, you know, a couple of poor performances really from forwards then it just all added up to a to really frustrating day. So, you know, there are some positives in there, as I mentioned, but I think, you know, overwhelmingly you come away thinking, you know, Liverpool have got to do better in games like that because they, they know the challenge they're going to be up against in these sorts of fixtures and, and they didn't they didn't meet it this time. And that's why you, you need an injury time goal to just come away with a point, which is ultimately quite disappointing. Yeah, true. I think when you see that XG as well, I think Luton's was like 0.5 and Liverpool's was over three and a half, I think. And yeah, like you said, you think back to that wastefulness almost, it probably, yeah, could could have been a very different story, but not to be maybe. And a one player, and he came on late, but I think it's right that we do focus on Luis Diaz. I mean, everything that guy's going through at the moment, naturally horrendous off the pitch, but made himself available when Jurgen Klopp said he'd leave it in his hands and, you know, comes on and, and ultimately rescues a point. And my Spanish isn't great, but lifts the shirt that says, you know, para papa, you know, for, for his dad. I mean, some things are obviously always more important than football, David, but it should get a special mention, shouldn't he, Luis Diaz, for everything that's going on and what he did yesterday. Yeah, I mean, to, to even be in the squad really is sort of yeah. a testament to his mental strength, isn't it? Just incredible that he was willing to to be involved and, and, and maybe maybe he sort of saw it as, you know, a nice distraction really from everything that's going on at the moment off the pitch and maybe, you know, a way of just pulling his focus elsewhere and, and almost giving him a little bit of respite from what's going on, but... You know, to to be involved, and then you know, I, I didn't expect we'd see him, particularly with the game being so yeah. tight. You know, maybe would have if if I thought maybe if Liverpool were up quite hand, handily late on, maybe get a little bit of a run out, just keep him fresh, and and as I say, keep his mind off things. But I thought you know, it was a bit of a surprise really to be thrown into that sort of pressure cooker, and Liverpool really yeah. need a goal. 
Um, but what a response! Um, you know, brilliant, to, brilliant moment for him to get that goal, and, and just you know shows that he's a, a quality footballer. Who, by the way, you know, as much as we what's going on, it is it, dreadful. Liverpool have missed him. You know, I, yeah. I think he, he's so nailed down to that left hand side because he's an unbelievable footballer. And I think he started this season really well, been a goal threat. He's, you know, he gets another goal. He has done quite well in terms of his goal numbers so far this season. I think just generally has played well enough to, to nail down that left hand side. So Liverpool have missed him. So to, to have him back was not just a wonderful moment for him on a personal level, but I thought, you know, Liverpool need him and we hope, we hope, you know, the, the, the priority and the focus, of course, is that we, we hope there's some good news uh, coming down the line in terms of what's happening yeah. with his dad. But, um, yeah, Liverpool would, would love to have him back as well for, for on-pitch matters because he's a, he's a wonderful footballer and, and obviously has, alongside all his qualities, incredible mental strength as well. Yeah, no doubt. Especially yesterday because Gomez was at left-back. He seemed to want... Naturally, he's going to want to come in all the time. Gravenberch did well driving but wants to come in all the time. Just, they just seem to be lacking almost down that left-hand side. Someone who could just, in the tight space, a bit of magic, even just go to the byline occasionally as well. So... Yeah, we missed him, but he did. He rescued us yesterday. And I mean, I'm naming a, f- a few players there. This try not to seep into negatives, but when I look back yesterday, there seemed to be very few came away for me personally with pass marks who I thought did well. Who, when you're looking back at yesterday, do you think will be, yeah, I did all right there yesterday, actually. I can sort of hold my head a little bit. Was there any that you thought did shine, so to speak, or pass the test? Yeah, so I thought there was a few in there who thought did quite well. I mean, Joe Gomez, I, I agree, actually. It was, a, it was a massive problem for Liverpool down that left-hand side. I thought yeah. it was a bad pick from the manager really not going with Simicast because you knew what Luton were going to do. They were going to mass and they wanted to try to force Liverpool down the middle where they could keep it really congested. And Liverpool on the right-hand side didn't have that option going around the outside because Trent comes inside. And on the left-hand side, they had the same issue. But I actually thought Joe Gomez, in, in, sort of, in terms of what he did, did quite well. I don't think he played poorly. His, his biggest crime really was to to not really have a great left foot. Um, but that, that's not his fault. That's on the manager really for picking him. So I thought he did quite well. I thought Canate got dragged into some nonsense, but generally played quite well. Uh, Van Dijk as well. Defen- uh, you know, defensively, I don't think Liverpool played poorly. I know they don't keep the clean sheet, but that that comes on the counter. And it's, it's maybe a different issue. I thought, you know, defensively, Liverpool did quite well. And then ahead of that, Ravenberg for me looked like Liverpool's most creative midfielder at times thought he he did quite well and a lot of good moments from him which is you know sort of continues his upward trend and, and, and you know I think been really impressed with him since he came in um, and elsewhere you know I think ahead of that that's when you really get the problems I thought the other midfielders didn't do too well I thought you know I thought the, the, the front line was there were real issues there as well but there were some good performances in there in fact one, one I want to mentioned as well is, is Trent Alexander-Arnold because I thought it was a bit of a, a curate egg of a performance really because I think I, I saw some criticism he got in terms of you know wastefulness during that game but I actually thought you know again one of Liverpool's most creative players he seemed to have a lot of time on the ball and he, he used it you know six six key passes he ends up with I think he you know he, he makes that chance that Nunez should, should do a lot better with for me that he hits the bar with um, you know, sometimes Trent is just held to a, a crazy standard for me. You, you're going to have wingers getting joy down each side. It's, it's going to happen from time to time. No one is infallible in that. Even, the, the, you know, whoever you would name as the best right back in the world, sometimes you're going to get beaten down that side. But the way he was talked about, and, it, and I think this talk was, it was generally how Liverpool's performance was talked about. It was almost like, oh, Trent got dominated and so did Liverpool and, and Luton deserved this and Trent was poor. And I, I just don't think that was true. I thought I, I thought Trent very much in terms of Liverpool as well. If things had just worked out slightly different for him, there would have been a great creative performance from him. And, he, you know, he, he did do okay in his defending as well. So, uh, you know, he, he was the most sort of weird performance in terms of it, it was hard to say where it fell. But, but for me, the, the positives that Trent provided in that game outweighed the negatives. And I know maybe some people won't agree with that, but I just think, I think the numbers back it up that he, he actually was really, really creative and, and, and on a different day when the finishing had been better then Trent would have come away with a, you know, what I think would have been widely considered a very good performance. I agree with that. I think it's one of those where the result dominates the narrative that if Nunes doesn't sky that chance from two yards, if that goes in, everyone's talking about it in a different light. And I mean, we God, Christ, we've got to talk about that wastefulness, like you said before, that... The Darwin miss, the, the one against the crossbar, you know, that it almost seemed like him and Kaminsky were having a, a personal duel. Could Nunes bend it into the top right corner? That sound of replay a few times, but 
Jota had his chance. Even the one that Nunes missed, you think that that you expected Salah to do better from the header initially when he's unmarked even as well. I mean, it was a wasteful afternoon. I, I can't think of any other way of describing it. Is that just, are we putting that down to a one-off or we have seen us miss a few? Is that sort of niggling with you or is it just, it just happens, we move on? I think when you've got the, the track record Liverpool's forwards do in terms of goal scoring, you, 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 can, you can write these ones off. You know, Salah, he's not one of those who misses a lot of chances, is he? And I think, you know, it's hard to, to sort of criticise him too much in that. Jota, again, you know, he's usually deadly in those positions. I think I think in games like this, especially when he's used off the left, he can get bullied out of it a little bit. He's not as good at receiving the ball as maybe a Diaz in the wing and and, and, and not as good at receiving the ball actually salaries on the other side. I think, you know, they're, they're really good and really helpful in terms of Liverpool getting the ball up the pitch. And, and when you use Jota in that way, he's not, he's not great in that. And I think he got squeezed out the game a little bit yesterday and that was one of his biggest problems. Um, and as I say, with Salah, hard to criticise. The one, you know... Uh, I maybe came down a little bit hard on him in my sort of post-match review video and, and, and what I wrote, but but Nunes for me, because he doesn't have the track record of the, the other guys in terms of yeah. consistently delivering the Liverpool, I think, you know, it is fair to question sometimes. I mean, I wrote a piece earlier this week and actually I think quite a few other journalists did really sort of talking about Nunes in, in glowing terms because, you know, he's, he's done so well this season and we really are starting to see the sort of you know, him, him delivering on the potential that we saw last season. But I thought yesterday was just a bit of a nightmare and really, really poorly timed as well because he had all this praise and it really started to seem like things were, were starting to come off for him. You know, I, you know, he has nine shots. He only gets three of those on target and he misses a couple of great chances that in, in a game that Liverpool dropped points in. You know, I know he's loved by the support base and I totally understand why and I, I really like watching him myself and I think he's a, a, a fantastic player who, who will, I expect, will will keep getting better and this would trajectory will continue but I really would love for him to just stamp out some of the, the madness in his in his game and, and some of those misses. Um, you know, there have been a few already this season actually where he missed big chances that you sort of can't believe and, and, and he's ultimately got away with it because the results have been good but this is the first time it's happened and, and the result hasn't gone that Liverpool's way. And you, you look back and you think he, he has to cut that out. I, I think, you know, th- there's no excuse in terms of technique for, for missing that sitter. And it's not, you know, the one he misses from the, from the Salah header is, um, it, it's, it's just basics in terms of technique and, 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 and not, you know, I've seen Harlem miss those, by the way. I mean, he missed some against right. Liverpool in the community shield a couple of seasons ago, but, he doesn't miss them as frequently. And Nunez, you know, if you're going to create those sort of shocking misses this frequently, then at some point it's going to cost you. And he has to he has to cut that out if he's going to be good enough for Liverpool because Liverpool need to win games like this. They, you know, they, they've had forwards who will take the one chance in a game. It was the fourth anniversary of the, the 2-1 against Aston Villa a couple a few yeah. days ago. And that reminded me of a game where, you know, Liverpool... You get those couple of chances at the end and, and bang, bang, they're in and, and Liverpool win the game. And, and you've got to be like that. You've got to be ruthless. And I, I just think for Nunez, this felt like a really big step back. I just, I, you know, I hope he can quickly put it behind him and, and, and as I say, continue on that upward trajectory. But I think it will be remiss to ignore it. And I don't, you know, I may get shouted at sometimes for saying, you know, I didn't think he was great yesterday. But I, but I think, you know, it, it's only fair to say that he he he's he sh- Shown that he can play at a better level, and, and, and we want to all see that. And it's only right to say when when he when he doesn't reach that level. And I, and I thought him as much as every, anyone yesterday was was a big reason why Liverpool ended up losing. Really, uh, not losing. Sorry, it felt like a loss uh, yeah. with a with a one draw. I, I think that's fair though. If if, if the praise is going to be loud, you know, you can't just ignore or you know be minimal in the criticism and. It's like you said, sometimes even the bits we laughed at it a, a little bit, like when he, he hit the post against Toulouse. It was in a 5-1, you know, Gavin Birch made it four and there's that. So, you, you know, you laugh about it. Yesterday, didn't seem a laughing matter, did it really as well? So, and like you said, that, even that one against Union SG when Salah squared it and he should just tap it in. I mean, in yeah. another universe, he's got double figures, same as Salah now, but really it's just that, He's always going to be involved as chances, but yeah, we really want to see that cut out fast. And, and, and I mean, the manager. Seen, we've seen, sorry, we've seen Salah miss the odd sitter from time to yeah. time as well. It's not like he is the the most, you know, well, the, the most perfect finisher of all time. He's not, you know, Robbie Fowler's the one I always think of in terms of it just felt like every time he'd go through, it was a good goal. Um, 
whereas you know Salah's maybe not like that. He's he's high volume. He needs that, but he he, he doesn't miss in the way that Nunez does, and that doesn't inspire confidence. I really think it's something that you know can can that be cut out the training ground? Surely yes, because Nunez has shown in the way he strikes the ball. The technique, the basic technique is there, but I, I'd almost want him to, to spend the rest of the week on the training ground just saying, just fire balls in at me across the goal and, and uh, you know, in different heights and, and, and just finish and finish yeah. and finish and just do finishing drills because, you know, it, it's almost like when he has a second to think about it, he's, he's just, you know, he overcomes himself. He, he sort of, he just sort of loses all that baseline technique, whereas it should be just on instinct. Um, I mean, I'm saying this like I've never missed a chance, by the way, but, you know, at this level, you know, you, you want to see him, um, you, you just want to see him sort of bagging those really easy ones that are coming his way. Because as you say, his, his goal tally now would be would be phenomenal for the start of this season. He already is, he already has done pretty well as well. So, yeah, I just want to see him really work on ironing that out because I don't want to see any more of them. And, and it definitely was a, a big reason why Liverpool dropped points yesterday. Yeah, well, Robbie Fowler's maybe short of time now since he's left that job in Saudi. So, a man. Mentorship could work well there, so to speak, you know. But I mean, because the, the manager talked about Nunes yesterday as well. Afterwards, he talked about a lot of things. I mean, is there any elements where you think he'll regret yesterday? As in, he went really strong in the Carabao, didn't he? Salas, a Bosley. There's a Costas debate differently there, but you know, people were surprised, and then levied that. Like, did they perform as they did yesterday because of that? Then everyone, like you said, went. Trent coming in, Gomez coming in, he's not going to have a left foot, grab and birch. Will, do you think the manager will look back and think, I got anything wrong yesterday? Or will he just think, do you know what, if we'd finished, it's a different tale I'm telling? Yeah, I, 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 managers probably will think like that, but it, but he's surely got to sort of come away from it and think, you know, that's Sobers Lies probably worst game since he's signed yeah. for the club. Uh, he's been so ridiculously impressive. Um, so by saying his worst game, he was he was hardly a, an absolute howler. He wasn't shocking by any means, but he just wasn't himself in terms of his creativity. And you've got to think there's got to be some reason behind that. You know, it's it's one of these rare outings in midweek, and then he follows it up with that. There's got to be a link there. And, and, and the same with Sally, you know, he's been phenomenal since the start of the season. Again, a rare off day for him and it comes in a rare off day after a rare outing in midweek. It, 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 yeah. There's got to be a link there and he's got to think about it. I mean, I, I was kind of, I was on on board with the, the Salah and Sobers' selection in midweek in the sense that, that neither of them had played in midweek frequently at all. And I just thought, well, if Liverpool were in the Champions League, they'd be doing Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, or, right. or Tuesday, Saturday, or Tuesday, Sunday, whatever. Um, all, all the way through the season. So the idea that he couldn't feature in the odd one seems sort of slightly ridiculous to me. But then, you know, this has happened and, and, and the, those two players have not really kind of looked themselves. Then, you know, maybe the manager will be thinking, you know, it, is there, a, you know, could I have taken them off earlier? Could I, is there a different way of, you know, how I dealt with the preparation around the, 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 them featuring in these two games? Um, you know, was it the fact that they were both really tricky sort of away ties against teams who were playing in sort of similar ways? You know, it's, it's all things that the manager's got to think about. And also that, that Costa Simicas selection as well in terms of, you know, should, should it have been the other way around? You know, with the way those games actually went, would Gomez have been the better option against Bournemouth and then Simicast been the better option against Luton? I don't, I don't again, these are all the things that the, the manager's got to consider. I think, you know, it, it's probably hard to say directly whether we absolutely regret picking those two, but it's like I say, I think there's a, a lot to think about and a lot he'll sort of take away from this in terms of is, the, is there a potential lesson there in terms of how I deal with that and how I, I work my selection midweek. And he's also he's got another, another, another chance to sort of work that out because obviously Liverpool are. Very back in action midweek going forward aren't they again this week so uh, yeah it, maybe he'll take something from that and we'll, we'll, we'll maybe see that reflected in the selection against Toulouse it's, I mean it's an interesting one and th- I'm sure you've seen this on Twitter there's almost a, I call it a theory like it's a madcap thing but there was a feeling that Gomez left back was in preparation for it's miles ahead but that City game coming and getting him that he's think you know the suggestion that McAllister at the six Simicast at left back especially away at the Etihad, looks a bit vulnerable, shall we say, in that regard. Do you buy into that? Do you think it was a kind of getting ready for that or is it just a, it's a switch of the team, simple as that? I, just, I don't know really. I, I just think maybe it's, it's you know, Klopp mentioned Nico Gomez as an option at left back and, he, you know, when Andy Robertson got the injury. So he obviously thinks about him as an option there. And I think, you know, maybe it's just, 
it, it could be a multitude of things, couldn't it? Because I think it's, you know, it was an opportunity to rotate and use Simakas again in midweek. And then, he, you know, Gomez is just an option to, to freshen things up, even though it didn't kind of work really that well. Um, so, you know, it, it's difficult really to sort of think about why he's gone down that route or whether it, because I think again, you know, you could easily say that maybe he's looked at the way Luton is setting up and the way that they were going to approach the game and sort of thought, okay, if there's going to be a ball into the back stick, yeah. Gomez is good in the net, he wins headers, you know, Luton are probably going to hit a lot of diagonal balls, they're going to try and get those crosses into the back stick and get the, the full-backs isolated one-on-one. And also, if Andros Townsend plays on the side, he did. Will he, you know, he, he's a big threat in terms of cutting inside and having a natural right footer on that side to, to sort of nullify that threat is, is really helpful. So it's, it's sort of hard to say why, you know, why he approached it in that way. And I don't know about the Man City game because, again, you know, will he come away from that Luton game and think, you know, is it just better in terms of the build-up and, and, and the rare moments where Liverpool will be able to get forward and really threaten City? Would it be better to just have a natural left footer down that side and, and, and be less deliberate and you play and more, you know, quicker up the wings, really? Because if you have a natural left footer up that side, it just, I just think it makes it easier to, to get forward. And also, you know, you're hoping Diaz will be back that side, that by then, True. you know, he's again, he wants to cut in, he needs a man going around the outside of him in a way that Joe Gomez isn't going to do. So, you know, people might be right about that, that, that he's, he's trying something out ahead of the City game. But I, 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 I personally don't think it's that cut and dry and I don't, I don't know if he would ever admit he'd, he'd think that far ahead either. Yeah, it is an interesting one. And like you said, it did, does make sense. Almost, I mean, speaking of square pegs and round holes a little bit, the, the player I wanted to focus on this week, Alexis McAllister, maybe timely, he's going to be suspended now for the Brentford game in that regard. I mean, maybe after yesterday, it's a, a bit harsh, but I'm sure you've seen it. There's a lot of focus on McAllister now, isn't he? That six, you know, his performance. And... I think it would be fair to say it's probably not the position he thought he'd signed up for, you know, maybe found himself there by default. There's been mixed reviews, shall we say. It depends on, on who you want to listen to or who you want to believe. I mean, how would you honestly rate his season so far in that kind of backdrop and against that context? Yeah, I think sometimes sometimes people have been a little bit harsh on him. I, I know it's not been a perfect start, but I thought, you know, I think he's had some really, really good games in there that have sort of gone under the radar because of the nature of the role where it's very understated and, you know, it only, he only gets highlighted a lot of the time because when things are going wrong ahead of him and he's there to try and fight the fire and, and, and sort it out, then it makes him look terrible. I mean, yesterday is a really, really good example because the, the goal Luton score. He looks so slow, doesn't he, getting back? Yeah. Um, but that that's ne- he's never going to be quick there. He's never... And, and there are things that happen ahead of him that, you know, having him get back desperately. Liverpool don't ever want to be exposed in that way. Um, you know, they don't want to be leaving him to have to sprint back and, and try and keep up with Chong, which he had absolutely no chance of doing. I mean, it was so obvious that the goal was going to be scored from the moment the ball breaks down the right-hand side because you know, you know he can't get there, you know, and you know that gap's there and it, it's opening up. So... I, you know, I, I don't think it's worked perfectly for him, and I, and I don't believe either that this is the role he was signed for because we would have seen him there in pre-season, and that didn't happen. Trent was being used there instead of him, so you know, I, I think Liverpool are working on the hoof in, in terms of what they're doing in that position. But I think, you know, we're, we're going to see now going forward, aren't we? What what the world would look like without Alexis McAllister? I think this is going to be really interesting to see. You know, you've got to use Endo in this this next sort of league game that's coming up. It, it, it has to happen because. Otherwise, you've wasted your money. What 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 would he be signed for if, if not to do that? And if he comes in and does a good job and, and and really looks like he can do it in the Premier League now, then you know maybe there's a debate to be had then about moving Alexis McAllister back into that position that Liverpool quite clearly signed him for, which is to sort of play as a number eight. I mean that that again, by the way, it causes its own problems because then Liverpool have got such a ludicrous amount of options in yeah. the great positions. Like Gravenberg has done really well and, and deserves to play. Curtis Jones has been very good this season, uh, you know, up until his suspension, which was quite unfortunate. So, you know, they've almost got too many options in that eight position and not enough in the six, particularly as I just don't think McAllister is a, a perfect and natural fit for that role. So um, it's it's a it's a conundrum and one for the manager to sort out. And, and you know, it, I think there will still be calls in January for, for Liverpool to do something in that position if, Endo doesn't come in and really prove that he should be playing there 
consistent because I just don't think I don't. You're never going to cover up for, for McAllister's failings in that role, which is that he's not a defensive complete natural. Even though I think mm-hmm. he's done quite well in terms of that so far, and he's also not particularly quick. Um, uh, so you know, and that those, those issues are probably never going to resolve themselves. So Liverpool are either going to have to suck it up and say we are this team who has a, a footballer at number six and it's going to go horribly wrong at times and, and accept that. Or, you know, they, they do something about it and it's sort of going to be, going to be interesting to see because it, it, the, the, the worst element about it for me is that I don't think we're seeing the best of Alexis McAllister. And I think that's a real yeah. shame. I think there's been elements of his play that have just been, wow, this guy is unbelievable. You know, he's a great footballer. So I think that's the, the saddest part of it. So we'll have to see what Liverpool do about that going forward and whether Endo can, can make the, the case for himself in the, the sort of games to come. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN Make sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, and like you say, pace, Fabinho was never quick. And historically, even on set pieces, Liverpool always left. The two that were back were Trent and Robbo outside, i.e. recovery pace for when it breaks quick. If you're going to play McAllister there, it's going to happen at times if you're going to leave that race wide open, aren't you? I mean, for McAllister then, it's like you say, because there's that conundrum, because so Bosley almost takes care of himself in a way on the right-hand side, but that left option to stacking up. And, and it's great in one way, but it brings its challenge with Gravenberg, Jones, McAllister. Are we right to almost, maybe it's too easy, I don't know, suspend judgment a little on McAllister until we can see him in his natural position rather than just playing a six? Is that too too fair, too easy? I don't know. Well, the, the question is, are we going to see him in his natural position now? Because I don't see that there's a massive faith in Endo to be the consistent and, and like I say, they've already got Gravenberg, they've got Jones on that left-hand side, they've got you know really, really good options who are playing well at the moment because his natural role. So if that's not going to happen, then you know this is maybe going to be it. Um, which you know it's going to go one of two ways: either McAllister is suddenly going to massively improve, or Liverpool are going to tweak things to make it a lot easier for him to play in that role. Whether that's Weaken the shape of the midfield and, and making sure maybe even get a fourth midfielder in there and get someone alongside him who's more of a destroyer. Or you know, I, I think the judgment of him, you, you've got to judge what you see because I just think this is how he's going to be used going forward. He looks like the first choice six as far as the manager's concerned. So I think it is possibly fair to judge him in that, and that might be unfair on the player. But I think you know we we, we can only judge what we see in, uh, from on a match to match basis. And I think at the moment. You know, we're seeing a limited version of Alexis McAllister, one that's doing quite well in some elements, doing not so well in others. So, you know, been a been a mixed start for him, really. You have to say, you know, in terms of it getting better, that that's up to the manager in terms of whether he tweaks how the setup is, or or McAllister just suddenly hits a new level in terms of what he's doing. You know, we, we'll have to see how that plays out. But it's, um, yeah, I do feel for the player a little bit because he's. You know, he's, he's not being really given the, the, the tools to succeed. And I thought, actually, it goes back to something Jurgen Klopp said about Ryan Gravenberg in the press conference, but maybe was it last week, and talking about why Gravenberg was, was excelling and, and doing so well. And he was saying, uh, oh, it might have been Linders, actually. Sorry, it was Linders um, before the, the Carabao Cup. Carabao, game. He yeah. spoke about Gravenberg and said, yeah, the, the, changing, the changing profiles in midfield that Liverpool have got in comparison to last season and, and Henderson and Fabinho go. And he said, Basically, Liverpool's idea is, you know, you can't get another Henderson, you can't get another Fabinho. So 
you, you, you find players you think can play your style of football and you bring them in, but they've got their own unique skill set. So all you try and do then is create a system whereby or a setup that, that shows off their individual skills as best as possible. And I think, you know, if, you, if the manager and his coach sat down now and, and, and were asked really, do you think you're doing that for Alexis McAllister? Are you giving him the best possible opportunity to thrive? And I would, I would argue that they're, they're possibly not. And that, that is kind of unfair on the player really. And, you know, that, that is something he has to solve because, you know, if, if Liverpool are just going to have this sort of guy, uh, number six, who's, he's doing okay, but he's not doing great. And he's definitely not doing as well as you know he can as a, as a midfielder and not playing as well as he can then. That just feels like a little bit of a waste and a bit of a shame. And it also feels like it's, it's holding the team back from a truly, truly sort of elite level. Yeah, almost a bit like Gomez yesterday, almost being sacrificed for the benefit yeah. of others for the team that way. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see and hopefully we'll find something out in January. And speaking of off-the-field matters, because I'm not going to say that you're in the stories this week, but you're prominent, obviously, the, a few things. I know you asked in the, the press conference, which we'll talk about, about injuries. But the natural place I wanted to start, especially when we're talking about players, is the article that you wrote about Max Eberl, Schmacker, the, the links, the off-the-field um, matters, shall we say. So for I'm sure most people have read it, but just for... For those uh, who haven't in quick synopsis that having asked if, if it's true that Liverpool, if I know you can obviously correct me if this, that it's not prominent a move. There's obviously links there, there's interest, but Bayern Munich loom large, so to speak, and that may have a knock-on effect on Jörg Schmacker's stay, whether it's temporary or permanent. I mean, was and, and obviously without revealing sources, was all the sort of the answers, the vibe you were gleaming from everything you got that don't read too much, don't get too hopeful because this guy comes with a hell of a pedigree at the same time, doesn't he? So there's a lot of want there, but don't get too excited. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think, I think I've absolutely no doubt, by the way, that, that Liverpool have considered him, know everything about him, know that, you know, in the same way that they know, okay, if a vacancy opens up in this part of the team, these are the players who would suit us, these are the players who would fit Jurgen Klopp's system. I, I think they very much know who's on the market in terms of sporting directors and they know that this possibly going to be a need coming up for them to to, to fill that role and so Max Abel will, will 100% be on the on their sort of radar and they know everything about him um, but at the moment you know it, those stories are very much being fueled by the idea that okay well he's available and Liverpool have this vacancy potentially coming up but the, the reason he left RB Leipzig was because they, they sort of found out or it was reported that, that, that Bayern were interested in appointing him and they went you know they've gone to, to Abel and said Okay, what's this all about? And he's not said, okay, no, I'm committed. I'll sign a new contract or anything like that. And that's that's the reason he's been placed on that gardening leave now. So I still expect that he will end up at Bayern Munich because that's how this whole situation has come about. Um, you know, I, I know they've already got quite a big footballing structure there, but I'm sure they'll find a role for him because this this whole situation has come around because of that. Um, and I just feel like Liverpool's name is, is getting linked off the basis that, you know, yes, that, that vacancy was possibly there. But at the moment, they don't look, they're not acting and, and they don't look like a club that's desperately out there seeking a sporting director that they, they need to desperately appoint one now because, you know, as I said in the piece, Jörg Schmack is still, I see him at games all the time. He's still about the place. That's not someone who's just fulfilled his duties over the summer and is then suddenly going back into retirement or whatever. He, he's quite clearly still involved and, you know, the January window is, is very, very close now. So I'm sure if Liverpool are going to do anything, I'm sure there's been a lot of conversations had and Jörg Schmack will be the one to lead that. Um, what happens after that going forward into next summer? That's where the real sort of question marks are. And, and, and we know that York Schmack had signed what was described as a short-term deal. There was some speculation that was three months, but it, it was told at the time that that wasn't true and it was longer than that. So, you know, my speculation was it was maybe about 12 months. And I still feel that that might be about right. So maybe coming up into next summer is when it will, when it would expire. And that's when Liverpool are, are probably going to have to make a decision over who they appoint. But I don't think it will be Maxi will because I think he's going to be at Bayern at that point. But, you know, there's plenty of the sporting directors out there, plenty of the names I'm sure will be will be linked in the months ahead. And um, yeah, well, maybe even Jochmack will get convinced to, to sign another deal because I think he did a, a good job in difficult circumstances over the summer, actually. He was sort of underrated, really, what the, the, the work he did there. Got some really good deals done. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out going forward and, and, and who ultimately ends up in that role. But I think it will be Schmack for January. Yeah, I just, because it, it, like you said, it, and I've seen that, it's a great article. It does talk about, you know, January obviously is so close. Liverpool start their planning ahead of time, but 
there's almost that, as you also wrote about, that he's a transfer consultant, isn't he? Self-described Jurgen Klopp, you know, almost an assistant for, for want of a better phrase. That Do you think, does your gut tell you this is almost schmacker for January, but Liverpool will be really keen on getting someone in permanently for the summer and coming from there? Tem- still, it's not, doesn't make it temporary, but not long-term, so to speak, for Schmacker. Yeah, because I, I think they'll be pleased with Schmacker and the, the job he's done, because I think, you know, one of the one of the things that was raised about when he was brought in was, oh, well, his talent ID is not that great. His record is not phenomenal. It's not quite Michael Edwards level or Julian Ward or whatever. But that wasn't really his job. His job was to sort of just get the players signed and do the negotiations. And I think, you know, Liverpool's talent ID, you, you can't really have any question marks over that. I think the business they did over the summer already looks like it was very good. The, the players who've come in have have done a really good job so far. And they were also signed on on, on, on decent deals in the case of Alexis McAllister and, and, and Bravenberg was a really good get and the price already looks like that's going to prove to be an absolute bargain. Endo, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But that just seemed like a, a cheap deal to cover a little bit of a, a need that came out of nowhere for Liverpool. So, you know, for me, it sort of looks like he, he did a really good job, but he was never, he was always focused on sort of getting the deals done more than anything else rather than sort of, Focusing on the, the the long-term idea of building building up how you identify talent and things like that. So I think that is something Liverpool will definitely want. They want a long-term appointment. They want to find a new Michael Edwards or the new Julian Ward and have someone in there who who can sort of really head up that department and the scouting and all that. And that that that's definitely a desire, which is why I think, you know, if, if Schmacker doesn't want to take on that role, and I don't think that's how they see him either, they're definitely in the market for a sporting director. And I do expect that to be resolved. And, um, you know, the fact that his contract is up in, in the summer, I, I can't see an extension being signed there. So I think Liverpool 100% in the market and having a look out there, it's one of those that will, it will come from nowhere. It'll sort of start to develop very quickly when it does, but it, but it's, it, they're definitely keeping an eye out because Liverpool know, you know, this structure needs that. It needs that sort of sanity. Liverpool, when it, when they were at their absolute best under FSG, you know, they had that structure and that, that sort of, you know, that brain's trust that was working together and someone to challenge Jurgen and also, you know, bring a different view to the table and almost be as equal in that, that 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 is always really helpful. So yeah, they're definitely in the market. We just have to see who who that's going to be going forward. And I wouldn't expect Schmack to stay, you know, beyond the beyond the summer, certainly. So um yeah, it's it's just one to to sort of keep our ears to the ground and and see what happens with it. Yeah, indeed. And if it's not going to in the, the near future you'd think as we come towards later in the season we'll definitely hear something and I mean speaking of things that have been delayed I know you asked the question didn't you of, of Jürgen around the, the injuries because we look at those two players I mean Thiago and Stefan Bajsetic I mean Thiago he was supposed to be back for the international then there was knock-on effects and now obviously the the latest is that January isn't it seems to be the earliest on the on the horizon and then with Stefan Bajsetic, I mean, it was only a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? The question was asked. And I think Jürgen said, like, a small, small thing, which now seems a, a long, long time. And obviously, there's no almost no definitive timeline. And I, I almost, and you may see it differently, I think, when he responded to you, almost the, the thing I took at the end was, not in, a, not in a bad way, but this is it, stop asking now almost type of thing, we'll tell you when he's back. I mean... Is it, are we just are we just waiting now, and it's a bonus if we get those two players back anytime soon? Is that how you're seeing it, really? Yeah, I, I mean, with Thiago, start with that one. I think you know it's it's frustrating in the sense that you know just would have loved to see him in the mix in this this Liverpool midfield to be a rotation option. The, the Liverpool looks so strong there without these two. By the way, you know that that should be noted that. The options don't they don't look short in midfield at the moment. Uh, they're not they're not desperately needing either of them. And I think Thiago, you know, over the summer you get peppered with like things about, oh well, you know, Thiago should be a luxury player, we shouldn't be relying on him. And then Liverpool yeah. get themselves in a situation where they aren't relying on him, which is at the moment he he is very much a luxury player. Unfortunately, he's not available to be that. But you know, Liverpool aren't reliant on him at all. They don't need him. But you know, but it'd be nice if he was back, sort of thing. But still, people are like flipping out and not happy about it. But I think you know, we've known for a long time what his injury record is like. We know he struggles to get on the pitch from time to time. And this is a, it's frustrating. And I, I wish he could have been involved. Um, but he is that luxury player to Liverpool at the moment. They don't desperately need him. You just hope that. 
you know, the hope is that he can get to New Year and, and he will be back and he can be fully fit and he can just have a big, you know, play a big part between January and May and, and hopefully that involves Liverpool lifting multiple trophies and he, he can have a really, really good sign-up because he's an unbelievably talented footballer. You know, I think it, the signing as a whole, you would say, hasn't possibly perfectly worked out because I think his injury problems have been you know, too too much really for him to be relied on for a lot of this time. And he hasn't been that luxury player. So Liverpool previously have actually quite missed him whenever he's been out. He has been a real miss for them. So I would say overall, it hasn't quite worked out. But there's a real opportunity if he can get back in January and he can he can play a big part in that running, then, you know, he can, he can make this move as a whole sort of, he can fall on the side of being an overall positive and that he can look back and think he was a, actually was a really good signing for Liverpool. He played a big part in, in this, this and this. And so, yeah, I hope he can get back. And, and as I say, he's that luxury player at the moment. And we just hope that he can, he can, he can err on the good side of that going forward. And, and on by Chetic, I, I, this is one of those where, you know, this happens a lot, doesn't it, with young players? Uh, you know, get sort of growing pains, injuries, and, 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 and issues where they've got to be really careful around the training. Curtis Jones had something similar. Uh, we've seen it with other young players coming through under Klopp as well. That you know, that training load hits them, and, and all of a sudden, it just it's just too much for the young bodies, and they're not built in the same way as the, the adults that they train with, and it it causes issues. It's just one way you've, you've got to be patient and, and, and wait for him to, to, to be able to, you know, train without pain and, 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 and come through that and just take things slowly and not, you know, make sure you avoid any further setbacks. But again, you know, Liverpool haven't massively missed him, but it'd be really, really nice when he's back. Um, and, 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 and as Klopp himself said in the press conference, Liverpool got a brilliant young player on the hands there. So I think we've just got to be patient around this. Don't want to, you know, th- there's no need to force him back quickly or rush him back. So let, let's just hang in there and, and see him when he comes back again. It's a nice little luxury on top. It's a it's a great additional bonus. It makes Liverpool's midfield even stronger than it already is at the moment. Um, and that will be yeah, it'd be very very nice to have him back. Yeah, definitely. And do, people even forget like you look at a young Steven Gerrard. He had the similar thing, didn't he? The growing pains, the muscle skeletal things that we had. So we had to be patient with him at times. So Christ, if he's half, half as good as that, but. Yeah, even there, a potential, which people debate, but a potential option in the six. So, yeah, the mid the midfield stats, and obviously if those two come back, yeah, patience needed, which might I'd be, be difficult. I'd, I'd be interested as well to talk about it. There's a lot of talk about Andre at the minute. Um, and obviously, he was a player with Liverpool liked over the summer. I've no doubt he's yeah. still watching him closely and, and he's, he's definitely in the thoughts there. But it, you know, I'm looking at the fact that Liverpool have not had Thiago and Bajcetic for the entirety of the start of this season, and 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 haven't really missed them at all. They've, you know, the the one area they've never looked short of options is is in central midfield. Even that's with playing one team in the Europa and one team in in the league. Um, you know, is 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 midfield an area that that Liverpool desperately need? At? You know, it, it just makes me wonder if if that's the one thing you could do to the in the January window, would it be to sign a central midfielder? At? I'm not sure if there's other things that wouldn't take priority for me, but I'm just I'm just thinking out loud because just while we're on that topic, but I just it's it's an interesting one, I think. Yeah, no, it, it's true. Especially, I mean, we've just talked about how stacked that midfield is, the options on the left, and potentially you're talking about three extras coming into that, and you know who plays, you know Harvey Elliott with his cameos. I have seen the debate, and I don't know if you sort of put any stock in this. I don't know if it's true. A lot of people seem to sort of link the Andre Tiago scenario to the way that Gakpo came in six months ahead of time to almost understudy Firmino, like get used to the role, like Diaz came in to replace Mane, shall we say, get used to that. Do you think there's any merit in that, that Andre could be the longer term Tiago and get him in earlier, you know, at a good deal and he gets used? Do you put any weight in that or do you think actually it's just coincidental if it's true? The thing is, if the, if he profiles similarly to to Thiago, which I believe he does, and I, you know, I, I'm not an expert on him at all, so I, I wouldn't speak to whether I think he'd be a great signing or not. I, you know, that's that's definitely not my area of expertise watching Brazilian football, and, and so I, I can't say an awful lot about him. But if he if he profiles similarly to Thiago, does he solve the number six problem at all? You know, True. I imagine that, that Alexis McAllister sort of slap profile slightly similarly to Thiago as well in terms of the way he used the ball. He's not really a natural yeah. six. He's a playmaker with that ability to spray the ball left, right and centre and the, the, the ability to pick passes through the, you know, through the lines and stuff. So, you know, if Liverpool were to bring him in and it, it for me doesn't solve the biggest issue in that midfield, which is number six and, and you know, 
Bajetic played a lot more football in that holding role. Would he be better, you know, better served using him there? Then it's a tough one for me. And I think, you know, if Liverpool were to sign a midfielder and to get ahead of the fact that Thiago was leaving, I almost think that, you know, Thiago was that left-sided eight. Liverpool are so stacked there, aren't they, at the moment? They don't even need to think about it. So it's not a Thiago replacement for me, really. It's like, if Liverpool are going to do something in midfield in in January even, I uh, it would 100% have to be an absolute bona fide number six and an out and out number six who's got the quality mm. to play in the system rather than, you know, getting in a, a, a Thiago replacement for me. I, I think Liverpool have already replaced Thiago. I think Alexis McAllister is, is, is pr- probably pretty much that player. I think, you know, on that yeah. left side of eight, you've got the depth there already with Curtis Jones and, and, and Ryan Gravenberg as well. So, um, you know, for me, that Thiago replacement has almost already happened. And if Liverpool are going to do anything midfield, the one weakness for me is, is you know, that if Endo is not the number six that we, that we do hope he can be, then they need to do something there. And that that that's the area where the, the problem is not not necessarily what Thiago is doing. Yeah, it will it will be fascinating to see. I think, like you said earlier, there very much seems to be a what we class as your classic destroyer, your Fabinho type, that Jurgen Klopp maybe seems happy with the ball player, especially if it is Andre as well. But I suppose time will tell on that one. It'll be an interesting one to see. And the final thing I sort of wanted to ask you, I mean, we're coming into this week. It, it feels big all of a sudden after the, say, Luton loss, but the Luton draw, we got, you know, we got a point there. There's to lose. And if we win that, we top the group. You know, we can't be beaten. But then there's the Brentford game coming the Sunday, the last one before international. Maybe it's good that it's it's at home. How do you think Jurgen Klopp will approach that? Do you think he will look and thought, hold on, I probably went a bit too strong last week in the Cup and it cost me in Luton. I know obviously Alexis McAllister will be suspended, so that'll come into the thinking. Do you think he will look again at his kind of Cup League eleven? How do you think he will sort of view it this week and set up? Yeah, well, we, we absolutely won't be seeing Mo Salah and Dominic Sobersly, I know that much. Yeah, um, I can't, can't see those two being used again in midweek uh, with, the, with the trouble they had at the weekend. Um, I think, yeah, as much as he, he can do, really, I think I think one of the problems as well and the underrated issues that Liverpool had for the Bournemouth game in, in that front line and what sort of almost forced the picks was was the fact that he didn't have Diaz and he didn't have Ben Doak either. True. Now, the fact that they're both back, you know, Diaz is, is obviously available now. Hopefully, he's in the, the headspace that he can play maybe even in the midweek game or at the weekend. We don't we don't know how that's going to sort of play out, but he gives you another option there. So, Liverpool suddenly look stronger in attack. And Ben Doak, you know, he, he's back in training. He's available. I think I think he was on the bench yesterday. So, you know, he's available to hopefully come into the start in 11 in, in, in midweek. So, that it just takes the, the workload off them and, and, and makes it easier to sort of pick that second string 11 and, and, and go into the game with that so hopefully that's that's how we approach it because I think Liverpool need to be fully fresh for Brentford you know they, they've got a, a real threat themselves they're really good on the counter they're physical they do a lot of the things that, that Luton were trying to do in that game and, and, and in games that you know well every team tries to do this against Liverpool when they face them these days isn't it it's sort of sitting deep and hit on the counter and otherwise yeah. be a threat from set pieces and, and sort of long balls so Brentford are just really, really very good at doing that. So I think, you know, Liverpool have got to be sharp. You've got to be on it. got to win second balls. Um, you've got to be really, really good at, at, at sort of protecting yourself when you're on the attack and making sure you're cutting off counters. So that takes a sharpness of body and mind. So, you know, as, as few players as possible should be playing in both games here. And I think that'll be Jurgen Klopp's priority. That, you know, he said he doesn't want to get carried away with the Europa League group. They, they've, all, they've almost basically got it already won. I know this is not going to be an easy game, but I think, you know, You've got to think that okay, things might go wrong in this game, but I think I wouldn't be risking any players or putting in anyone who, who's going to feature against yeah. Brentford person because you need that freshness back because you saw it against Luton, you lose a little bit of that sharpness, then it really it really hurts you and you can you can drop points. So um, I, I would like to see these two 11s be as sort of distinct and and, and, and different as possible, and, and and that this Toulouse eleven is more along the lines of sort of what you would call that that second string. Yeah, and then I think you're right. I think probably the biggest spot will be the, the endo-McAllister rotation because suspension forces their hand on that. I mean, the, the only final question I want to ask you on this about, and it's actually the midfield debate, you're right, it's so stacked. And Curtis Jones, maybe an, his knock, answered the question for the manager, didn't he, realistically, that he wasn't going to play. But now that, and we're hoping Curtis Jones is back, do you think he is leaning? I mean, it's dif- difficult to say. That's probably the surest one for me is which of Gravenberch, 
And which of Jones do you think is more likely to start in league and Europa? How do you think he'll play it? I think at the moment, I think particularly because Gravenberg played well against Luton, I thought he was the the best of the three midfielders, you know, given that wasn't a, a sort of maybe a massive high bar because I thought the other two didn't, didn't reach near the, the best or as, as good as they can do. I think for the moment, you've got you've got to stick with Gravenberg in that sort of league 11 or, or what you would probably say was more the, the first choice 11. I mean, it's, it's harsh on Jones because he played so well recently and, uh, yeah. you know, he's so unlucky to get the card. Uh, the the red card at Tottenham and then to get three games so that felt a bit over the top but you know I just think for now it's it's got to be a case of he's in that Europa League team um, and, and he's got to sort of find his way out of it um, you know that that's maybe unfair but I just think that's how the manager views these things he tends to if someone's doing the job and playing well and delivering for him in the starting 11 he won't move them out and that, I think that's how he's going to sort of approach the Gravenberg situation and, and, and you know Jones will will still get so many games in the Premier League going forward it's a long long season there's injuries there's suspensions you know maybe even sometimes we, we, might, we might even see him drop into that six from time to time uh, that we saw him in pre-season so you know he's got options to, to get him in the team uh, but I just think now in the, in the short term I think it's going to be Curtis in the Europa League and, and, and Ryan Gravenberg in the league yeah, it makes sense, isn't it? Listen, fingers crossed. It just, especially maybe too much into Luton, boy, just feels like a big week just before internationals, doesn't it? To lose, nothing risked in that, but get the three points uh, at Brentford when ben- Brentford visit us. And then, yeah, an international break and the small manner of Manchester City coming up just after that as well. Really, really interesting. But all it really leads me to say is thank you as much as ever, David, for the, the insight and the answers. It is much appreciated. So thanks for your time. No, thanks for having me. And ladies and gents, that was another Media Matters. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.